Welcome to Nelfa's Affordable Housing Podcast. My name is Jonathan Payne, your host for today's episode. Today, we are joined by Mandy DeMeo, the Community Development Administrator for the City of Austin's Neighborhood Housing and Community Development. Mandy, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. How are things going in Austin? Things are really, really busy in Austin. Um, We have a lot going on uh, with respect to affordable housing and homelessness. Like many communities across the country, we are experiencing really um, high housing costs, both rental and home ownership. And at the city of Austin, we are developing strategies and deploying funds in order to help combat those, those high uh, housing costs. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how you first got involved in the housing finance industry? Sure. Um, I, uh, during my time at the LBJ school, when I was a graduate student, I had a couple of different internships. Um, one was working with a uh, private consulting company uh, on relocation uh, for folks in central East Austin um, in anticipation of an affordable housing development. Uh, and then I also worked with a nonprofit organization doing a lot of grant writing for nonprofit organizations across the state of Texas um, for uh, affordable housing, both ownership and rental. I developed an interest in affordability, um, in other issues impacting low-income communities. And after graduating from the LBJ school, I went to work for a consulting company that worked with nonprofit organizations across the country that were developing affordable housing, um, senior housing, housing for people with disabilities, and multifamily family housing. Um, and I did that for several years, and then I started consulting on my own, um, again, working with nonprofit organizations, building affordable housing, and pulling together the financing, which is often um, incredibly, as you all know, incredibly complex um, and time-consuming. Uh, and then I also started working on policy issues related to affordable housing. And about eight years ago, I began working for a new uh, nonprofit organization in the city of Austin called Housing Works, which did research, education, and advocacy around the affordable housing issue in Austin and Central Texas. Um, and so that was really an opportunity to marry my interest in policy and development because we worked with a lot of affordable housing developers trying to make sure that policies that were created and instituted were actually grounded in the real world of affordable housing and affordable housing finance. I have been with the city of Austin for almost two years now. I came on as their community development administrator, and in that position, I oversee all of our housing and community development uh, dollars and programs and work with folks um, throughout the community uh, trying to implement solutions to affordability. Excellent. Well, as you know, during the NALFA annual conference, we had the honor of presenting the City of Austin Neighborhood Housing and Community Development with the 2019 Award of Excellence in the Multifamily category for your project on Aldrich 51. Congratulations again to you and your team on receiving this national recognition. Uh, It was great to have you uh, endeavor uh, to receive this award. And uh, why don't you give us a little overview of the project and how it all began. Sure. Um, We were first, thank you so much for uh, the recognition. We were really thrilled to receive this award. And we really do feel like it is 
um, a project that really is worthy of recognition. Um, I think it's a unique project for a variety of reasons. Aldridge 51 is a 240-unit multifamily development. Um, an affordable development that was financed with uh, 4% non-competitive low-income housing tax credits. Um, the the reason Aldridge 51 is somewhat unique, we of course, and in places across the country, um, there are plenty of 4% um, uh, tax credit developments, but this particular development is uniquely situated in a larger city-facilitated um, redevelopment called the um, uh, Miller, I call it Miller. It's M-U-E-L-L-E-R. Some people say Mueller. Some people say Miller. So I often say Miller, Mueller, redevelopment. It's our old airport. And it's a 700-acre um, parcel that um, our airport, because Austin was growing so much, moved from kind of the, the central location, which is the Miller, Mueller uh, area, um, to uh, an Air Force base that had been decommissioned um, on the southeast side of town. It officially moved in uh, 1999, um, but the city, in anticipation of the airport moving, knew that they were sitting on a, a, an asset, the 700 acres that needed to be redeveloped, and so the city worked with a, a community-driven uh, effort to identify what that 700 acres should be redeveloped into and what type of community benefits we should anticipate in the city of Austin as a result of that redevelopment. It was a lengthy, um, inclusive process that resulted in um, what we now know as the, the Miller redevelopment, Miller neighborhood. Um, it is, again, as I mentioned, 700 acres, and it's a mixed-use, mixed-income development. One of the most important aspects of the Miller redevelopment was its commitment as, as part of the Master Development Agreement, um, commitment to 25% of its residential units, both ownership and um, rental, being uh, affordable, income-restricted. So um, the Miller redevelopment is about 75% complete. Uh, if you go visit, it is a thriving uh, new urbanist neighborhood. Uh, it has a mix for retail of small local businesses and some big box stores, um, so both national and, and small local businesses. It's incredibly walkable. Uh, it has a significant number of parks. Um, and it has a, a thriving uh, commercial component with some. Um, we have our children's hospital there. We have a children's museum. We have, we're breaking ground shortly on Austin Energy, um, our, our energy utility, our electric utility on their headquarters. Um, and we have just a, a, a variety of, of businesses, both medical and, and arts and variety of businesses there. Um, the Miller redevelopment, as I mentioned, included 25% goals of 25% affordability. With respect to the rental, the way Catellus, the master developer, um, decided to go about the rental was to require in all the market rental 10% of the units um, affordable to folks at or below 60% median family income. But because the goal was not 10%, but in fact 25% um, affordable units, um, Miller intentionally uh, put out RFPs for developers of tax credit projects, um, one for seniors, one for workforce housing, and one for uh, families. 
and the first senior development it was opened. It was a 9% tax credit uh, development called Wildflower Terrace. The second development was Aldridge 51, which is 240-unit workforce housing development. And the third project is called the Jordan. It's under construction, and it's a family project that we anticipate being completed at the end of this year. But I want to focus on Aldridge 51, which, again, is 240 units. It's mixed income. Um, The vast majority, 85% of the units, are affordable at or below 60% median family income. But um, there's also market rate above 60% and then uh, market rate units um, embedded within the project. It is a mix of one, two, and three-bedroom units. It is a mix of incomes, as I mentioned. We have 30% units, 40%, 50%, 60%, 80%, and market rate all in the same development. In terms of the financing, uh, what we knew when um, the developer, DMA Development, was selected for this project, um, we knew because of the QAP uh, that year and really in the foreseeable future that it was not, the project was not going to score for a 9% award. And so really the only viable option was a 4% award. But because of the reduced equity with the the results from the 4% award, we knew that there was going to be a fairly large gap. Um, And that's really where the city came in. We provided direct financing for acquisition of the property. We used um, CDBG funding, part of our federal um, allocation. And then we also used $2 million in general obligation bonds for the construction. Because of, again, the significant gap. One thing we knew that we were going to need to do was enter into a partnership um, with the developer. Um, And as such, the city of Austin's Austin Housing Finance Corporation owns the land on which the development sits. And because of the partnership, the property um, is taken off of the tax rolls, which as a result, because in the state of Texas, which is highly dependent on property taxes. We have very high property taxes, which of course impacts the bottom line of any rental housing development, whether it's affordable or not. But by taking the property off the tax rolls, we were really able to target um, deeper affordability in that um, particular project. So as I mentioned, we have 30% 40% and 50% units. That's where our direct funding went to. We did a deferred forgivable loan um, for that $4 million. And again, the, the sources were both CDBG and then our general obligation bond dollars, which are local dollars. Uh, and we are part of the partnership. We are actually part of the managing member of the partnership um, in um, conjunction with the MA development And it has been uh, a wild success. It is fully leased up, 100% occupied. um, And it includes, I've I've looked at the the rent rolls, it includes folks, um, a large number of people uh, who work in the Miller development. We have people living there who work um, for the Ascension Hospital System. We have people who work at some of the big box uh, retail. We have people who work for HEB, which is right a um, couple blocks away. That's our large grocery uh, store. Um, we have people who work at the nearby movie theater. Um, and this really enables people to live, work, and play all in the same development. 
and it certainly makes the the Miller community more inclusive because folks who work there are able to live there. And uh, what we have found, particularly in the city of Austin, is that our core, central core neighborhoods have really priced out both low and moderate income families. And this is one way um, we can try to keep those folks in town um, and also preserve the, the diversity of the city of Austin. Um, and I, I think Aldridge 51 is one way that we are able to achieve that. That's incredible. And, and you used a lot of different funding mechanisms. So if I captured them all correctly, you used LIHTC, private activity bonds, funding from the city of Austin, CDBG funding, as well as GO bonds. That is correct. So AHFC, Austin Housing Finance Corporation, um, was the issuer of the private activity bonds. We did a private placement with Boston Capital, um, tax credit equity, there was deferred developer fee, and then our two main sources of funds were CDBG and general obligation bonds. And I will say we're, we're very fortunate in the city of Austin. We're one of the, the few cities uh, in the state of Texas that has voter-approved debt for affordable housing, general obligation bonds. Um, in 2006, we received $55 million to invest in affordable housing. In 2013, voters approved $65 million. And then this past November, uh, November 2018, voters approved overwhelmingly $250 million in affordable housing bonds. So this particular project tapped into the 2013 affordable housing bonds, and really that is the way we are able to secure deeper affordability um, embedded within our projects. And you mentioned DMA Development Company. Were there any other partnerships that were created for this project? So this particular project um, has a couple. I mean, I would I would say that the local employers really are partners. Um, I, DMA did a significant amount of affirmative marketing to the local employers, both national employers and local, um, literally homegrown employers, um, to make sure that they had a priority in terms of first to make sure they knew about the property and they knew about the rent levels and the income limits because often affordable housing can be a little mysterious to people who aren't in the affordable housing world. So they did a lot of outreach with local employers. I would consider them um, a partner and really a success. Another partner is our Continuum of Care, um, which is ECHO, the Ending Community Homelessness Coalition. Um, we have uh, within Aldrich 51, as well as across the board in many of our affordable housing developments, um, what we call continuum of care units. So those are specifically designated units where ECHO, as our continuum of care, provides the residents and the wraparound services um, in order to ensure those residents um, are successful in, in housing. They prioritize through a, a, a uh, system. They prioritize uh, people experiencing homelessness who are most vulnerable. And when those folks rise to the top of the list, they connect them with housing, um, both market housing um, and affordable housing across the community. And so I think that also is a very strong partnership and something um, we are replicating really across the board, our affordable housing portfolio. Were, were there any concerns expressed by members of the community, and if so, how were those concerns addressed? Well, the interesting thing about the Miller development is that 
since the 2000s, affordable housing has been an explicit goal for the community. So we did not experience any of the traditional NIMBY pushback from right. from neighbors. Um, and in, in, in fact, we have a track record in the Miller uh, redevelopment with Wildflower Terrace, which is our senior housing development, Aldrich 51, and then um, we have the Jordan um, coming online. So there has been an explicit um, desire in central and particularly central East Austin, which is where the Miller development is located, where we're experiencing uh, really intense gentrification and displacement pressures, there has been uh, an explicit desire to increase our amount of affordable housing. Were so in there, that way, we're very fortunate. <laughs> absolutely. Were there any challenges with the development process? There were, um, honestly, the, the, the typical challenges um, we hear from our development partners, whether nonprofit or for-profit, um, uh, ongoing challenges with Development review, um, the length of time site plan review takes. Um, we do have um, a program in the city of Austin, the Smart Housing Program, that's been around since the early 2000s um, that provides fee waivers for affordable housing. Um, so we were able to achieve um, a certain amount of waivers of, of a variety of uh, uh, development fees um, and uh, expedited processing, which has not been as expedited as it should be, but we are getting ready to hire a dedicated person who will work to shepherd our affordable housing projects through um, uh, through the process. So we hope to really speed up and prioritize our affordable housing developments. Um, but with respect to the the development process, the other thing that was we were fortunate about this particular project is it's located within the Miller development, which actually is a planned unit development, a PUD that has very specific design guidelines and really encourages increased density. So there was no need to go through because this, this project, the entire development was uh, intentionally designed for density, for increased affordability, for walkability, for um, transit, for a variety of different mix of uses, um, we didn't have to go through a lot of the hoops that um, developers traditionally may need to go through where they're trying to increase density or um, make a project like a square peg fit in a round hole. How can this project serve as an example or a model for other local communities, either in the state of Texas or around the country who are facing affordable housing challenges? Well, I think um, the important thing about this project is, well, there are many things, but one is the multiple funding sources and how it took a little bit of creativity in order to ensure the deep levels of affordability and the mix of incomes all on one site. Um, so I think that local communities have the ability to bring both their local and federal resources to bear in order to ensure affordability. Um, I also think that this project speaks to kind of a community vision and a community uh, inclusive community planning process 
where uh, we were really fortunate. As I mentioned, we didn't face NIMBY pressures because the entire community has come together over the last really 20 plus years and said, this is what we want in the community. And that's how, that's how we as a city established the 25% affordable housing goal for the Miller redevelopment. So we didn't experience any sort of pushback or hurdles. Um, really, it was the community embracing these affordable housing developments. Um, I also think in terms of, uh, uh, replicability, uh, this has been interesting. Uh, this has been one of our more recent partnerships, but we do have six partnerships, Austin Housing Finance Corporation, where we're part of the general um, partnership with nonprofit and for-profit developers. Um, and the value of that really uh, lies in uh, the property tax exemption and how we can leverage our resources um, the city of Austin, not necessarily through direct subsidy, but through something like property tax exemption in order to secure deeper uh, affordability and long-term affordability. What are you most proud of as it relates to the Aldrich 51 project? I was just there on Monday, actually. I had a meeting in the community room, and I was uh, part of a delegation for, from um, municipalities from across the state of Texas. And I was proud to be able to show off Aldridge 51. It is a class A apartment complex. Uh, nobody would know that it is affordable housing. It is at the meeting, several folks commented to me about the diversity of folks who are living um, in Aldridge 51 because we were at a community meeting. There are glass walls. People are walking in and out of the property. Um, we have racial, ethnic, economic, um, and household size diversity. There are families, there are seniors, and it's truly an example of what affordable housing can look like and how it can function as really foundational for community success. And before we conclude, is there anything else you would like to share related to the Aldrich 51 project? And is there anyone or any organization that you would like to recognize? Certainly DMA Development. They do a stellar job, and they've been a longstanding partner with the city of Austin. And so we really, you know, appreciated their commitment to affordable housing and their vision around what Aldridge 51 um, could look like. I do want to recognize our leadership, our city council leadership. We are so fortunate in the city of Austin to have across the board a strong commitment uh, to affordable housing. And uh, that certainly makes our job uh, much easier. And, and the community, the, the Miller um, community and the community surrounding, the neighborhood surrounding the Miller redevelopment, they've really worked hard to come up with a vision and have executed on that vision. And so I think both Aldridge 51 and the, at a larger scale, the Miller development can serve as a model for other developments across the country. Thank you so much, Mandy, for joining us in, again, Thank you and congratulations to you and your team on this incredible project in the city of Austin. And it is a great example of utilizing different sources of funding. And I appreciate everything that you do and that your team does for your community. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure talking to you. And if you have any projects that deserve recognition and can serve as a model to other housing finance agencies, such as this one, Give us a call and we would love to interview you for a future episode. Once again, this is Jonathan Payne. Thank you for listening to the NAFA Affordable Housing Podcast. 